in the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, for my Delta. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the code on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 73 of the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Chris, and along with me tonight in the virtual hangar, I've got Mr. John Conway. Brad Kane and a special guest. Because Mark's out tonight, we do have a fill-in for him, Mr. Bill Forelli. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, welcome, Bill. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. Yeah, uh, Mark's a little busy this evening, but uh, we have another uh, SoCal or another Colorado, uh, California gentleman to join us this evening. Uh, yeah, Bill is from SoCal. Mark is from NorCal. So uh, we still are represented uh, represented uh, by the California pilots out there. Um, guys, it's uh, good, to get, good to get back with you. It's been a while, too long, unfortunately, as usual. And I'll stop making excuses right there. Um, it is winter, so you know some of us have had a little harder time uh, getting up in the air. I don't have as many excuses. Uh, I was say, do you know what winter is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, dude, we got snow out here, big time. Um, what does big time mean? Well, like areas that I no one has ever seen snow on the ground, and there was a couple of inches. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Which big is, time. Like, like the valley down here. The valley down here, as you, there's there's mountains surrounding all of us, right? And, and uh, they were all just covered with snow for like a week, um, which is, you know, nothing for you, of course. But for us, it's like, it was just spectacular. Like, the, people were just going nuts. Oh, it's been a wacky winter. It snowed in Malibu, like right. on the beach in right? Malibu. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? We had We had 22 days of snow in February. <laughs> yeah the one snowstorm we got like eight inches was uh the day after i left for chile <laughs> to well the done, southern sir. hemisphere <laughs> that's so. well planned yeah my wife wasn't too happy about it because she wasn't with me so not it, well planned <laughs> the day it snowed all crazy for us uh we were uh driving to uh california to go skiing in big bear <laughs> So we missed it. I didn't get to see any of it here. Um, I just saw a bunch of pictures from from people sending them and uh, and, and you know Facebook, Twitter, stuff like that. But uh, but nothing. I didn't get to see them uh, with my own eyes. It would have been cool, but uh, I did enjoy some uh, some good skiing up in Big Bear. Got some good snow up there too. So, anyways, That's weather. Yeah, enough with the weather. That I don't know how all pad, all, all podcasts seem to start off like that. It's it's some sort of bad habit we should all try and break. But uh, weather is what we fly in. Yeah, it is relevant. It is definitely relevant. Anyways, um, our uh, special guest here, Mr. Bill Forelli, aka Bill for Lima Echo on the Twitter machine and Twitch nice. and probably some other places. I've always wondered what that four L E meant, and uh, when you. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw your last name, I was like, ah, very clever. 
Yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, my yeah. my dad came up with that probably like thirty years ago. That's been his <laughs> his license plate forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the yeah. whole family, like we all, like all of our emails and social media stuff, is all our first name for Le. <laughs> that is fantastic, actually. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it. A good Italian name, I suppose. Oh, si. D'accordo. D'accordo. Uh, Sono molto italiano. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> mortadella? Was that what it? I thought that was mortadella. <laughs> what is Everything mortad- comes back to food, yeah. I mean, anything <laughs> in Italian. It's just, it's either food or alcohol. <laughs> or women. Those are the three food groups in Italy. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, first off, so uh, to... To, to let everyone know, I I, I met Bill um, not personally, not face to face, but you know through the internet, through uh through Twitch. If if everybody knows, uh, if anyone knows what Twitch is, it's it's a, a streaming service. A lot of people stream anything from their day to day lives, and it's a lot mainly gaming. Um, if you don't ask your kids. Yeah, if you don't know, ask your kids. <laughs> they're they're watching some Fortnite right now, probably or something like that, right? It's bizarre. It's a very weird concept, but yeah, it's it's popular very very much so well uh i you know i've i've been into um flight simming myself for for years and so i went on twitch and i was like hey there's a bunch of people you know tw- uh, streaming uh their flight simming and so I, I i stumbled across bill because he was one of the few guys in there actually streaming general aviation aircraft and uh, was doing a great job at it and was very interesting and engaging so you know i i was kind of hooked and uh and and i still you know to this day just you know, like to like to you know catch a few minutes here and there when I can, and and um, and he's created a pretty good sized following for for flight simming because it's not a super popular uh, demographic as far as Twitch goes. But uh, but uh, yeah, tell us, Bill, a little bit how how that all started and 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 what that what that streaming thing's all about. Yeah, it's like I said, it is very bizarre. If I if I take a step back and look at what I'm actually doing and what that that environment is, I mean I'm just playing a video game essentially, and people come and watch, and that is very bizarre. Um, you know, like my my parents, my dad does not get it at all, <laughs> and it's uh it it wasn't until I showed him he he was visiting this past weekend and I I brought him on to the stream and did we kind of did like a little podcast ourselves a little discussion and and he was just like amazed that people were watching and chatting and interacting and stuff so it if you can find a um if you can find content or a streamer that that you connect with or interested in it really is a cool way to learn things and and meet people like i mean like the four of you guys kind of met through twitter it's like another level of that where you get this at least a one-way visual communication, which is kind of weird that, you know, I mean, Chris, you and I have talked back and forth. It was, it's mainly one direction. You know, you're, you're typing to right. me and I'm verbally responding to you. Exactly. So yeah. the times when you like meet these people that you, um, you know, form a relationship with over some of these uh, online media, it is a very weird dynamic to go from that, you know, the, the original method of communication to kind of normal you know, yeah. speaking. Um, having, having to talk face to face now, that's, that's, it's not what I'm used to, right? At first, no. you know, a, yeah. a, a lot of those people on Twitch are probably, I, I don't know, maybe they're, they're introverted, uh, on the outside world, but 
more of an extrovert when it comes to being on on Twitch. You know, it might be a persona or whatever. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah, and and it's a it's a very interesting cross section. I mean that that I know of. I have got followers that are fifteen years old up to in their seventies. And so, you know, with varying levels of experience. So it's been a great little community for people to share experiences and, you know, answer questions, ask questions. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been very, um, it's been fun, met a lot of cool people through it. Um, but it, it, it is weird. It's a very weird concept. And I kind of backed my way into it a little bit. Um, I was living up in the Seattle area for a few years and it, it can get, uh, famously pretty, pretty gloomy for most of the, the winter and most of the year. So I went through this span from, you know, like October through March where you just kind of indoors, it's gray and rainy. Um, not really anything you can do outdoors in that environment. So I just kind of was looking for hobbies and, at the time, I was working for this company producing YouTube videos for them. So I was on YouTube all the time. Um, I was pretty good at doing these videos, so I had a lot of time in between them. So I would just kind of do, quote, research, you know, and just sit there and watch YouTube videos half the day. <laughs> and and I've always been a video gamer, and usually on the console side, GTA, Call of Duty, the kind of typical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would watch some of these gameplay videos online and found some pretty interesting characters that would upload their gameplay footage. Again, very bizarre concept, watching people play video games. But if the personality is there, it's basically just like watching a, you know, a long podcast or a radio show. Just someone's personality, the backdrop happens to be them playing a game. But usually you learn about their life and what they're doing and, you know, they inevitably get into all that stuff. Yeah. So it was just kind of an interesting, cool thing to do, you know, kill some time. Um, it got me down this like tech tuber wormhole. If you guys are interested in like building PCs or PC parts, there's a bunch of really cool channels out there to, you know, that review parts and in do walkthroughs on how to build computers. So I got into that and I was like, you know what? I really like video games. I'm kind of into these tech tube videos. I want to build a PC. I'd never done it before. I'd always been a console gamer. So I end up getting all the parts to build a PC um, at my now employer, oddly enough, uh, okay. Newegg. And I built this, this PC and there were like a couple of games that I wanted to play from these videos that I watched. So I started playing these games and it was fun and it's definitely better than console gaming. I was like an <laughs> immediate convert, the performance, the graphics, everything is, it's a ton of fun. And then I, I, I remember the, it was almost like a light switch went on and I thought, man, I bet I can run a sweet flight simulator on this thing. And I had been out of PC gaming since like the nineties. I had flight sim 95 <laughs> Which yes. I mean, just like That's awesome game, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone that was into aviation and like had access to computers around that time frame probably had Flight Sim ninety five. And I mean, to date, oh how I miss you! Oh my god! And well, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Is I mean, I'll, I'll fully date myself, but I mean, I was I was barely double digits in age by that time. 
Um, if, if that, I think it was, I think I was probably, I was probably nine at that time. So I was a little tyke. And I remember I just, my dad got this really simple joystick and it was Meg's field was the default field. And I have vivid memories and I know they're memories and not just gameplay footage that I uploaded because YouTube <laughs> didn't exist yeah. of, of taking off in the default 172 and just like flying around Chicago. I remember l- trying to land the plane inside of Soldier Field thinking that was cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this sounds like a sweet idea. Yeah. So I just like I have this memory of kind of buzzing around there and I, you know, I'm I grew up in Seattle, so I remember loading loading up in Seattle and flying around there and seeing the Space Needle. They had some little crappy 3D polygon thing. <laughs> you and, can count uh, the pixels. Oh my god, there was like five of them. <laughs> um, and then, so I you know I, I played that a lot, but it was it was never in like a full simulation mode. Um, I showed my dad it, and he he was a pilot. And just really didn't get into it. He he didn't like the idea of sitting at a computer and and playing with a you know an airplane, which he took seriously. Um, then we got I don't know if you, if you guys will remember this, but it was called U.S. Navy Fighters, and it was like ninety seven ninety eight. I want to say. Do you guys remember that? I don't. Um, it was ring a bell. It, it was pretty deep. I mean, it, it was if, if you're familiar with DCS, Digital Combat yeah. Simulator, mm-hmm. it's it was kind of like that style of game where it was it was a simulator, but it was military focused. Obviously, in this case, Navy focused rather than everything. Um, and you could there was like some little campaign mode, um, but you could what I did is just set up random scenarios where it's like, okay, I'm going to be an F-14 and I'm going to fight against like max out how many MIGs you can put. So I, you know, like 15 <laughs> MIG 29s, like 12 bears, the big ugly bombers, oh, yeah, yeah, bunch of Sam's. Like, I mean, I just like loaded up this battlefield, unlimited ammo, infinite full, you know, unlimited fuel. And I would just like mow through everyone and think that was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And my dad was a Navy pilot and well, this, he didn't this answers a whole bunch of my questions I had on my list. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> how long you've been simming and what got you into aviation? Here we go. All right. Yeah. So my dad was a Navy pilot and he, he flew general aviation after that. He, once he was finished with the Navy, he, you know, he didn't fly commercial or anything. He just bought a little airplane and, and flew around. Um, so me being a little kid, just basically treating this like a video game, I would, again, load up a jet on a carrier, unlimited ammo, unlimited everything, launch from the carrier, do a full loop, just like full afterburner loop, (laughs) go back to the boat that I just catapulted from and and sink my own boat and just like (laughs) laugh and think that was hilarious. And my dad, who's done carrier ops, and I mean, not, like he never saw active duty, but you know, he flew T twos and A four Skyhawks off of, you know, the Kitty, not Kitty Hawk, um, Lexington, Nimitz, a couple other um, carriers. Awesome. And he just thought that was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, that's not funny. That's not cool. And I'm just laughing away and. Thought it was fun. And it was just, it was, I took it as just, it was fun. I, I learned a little bit about some of the jets and the models and, you know, that kind of stuff, but never really anything about aviation. And then, so, and, and then after, 
he got out of the Navy, then he's like, uh, I still want to fly. So gets a, what, he bought a what kind of plan? He, he actually bought a unflyable 140. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this was before I was born. Uh, he had just married my mom. Six months later, he bought this 140 for like a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. In the early 80s, I think it was like 1980. I fly in a needed... 140 with my friend quite often. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're fantastic looking. Um, and he had the the wings redone, resurfaced. They were the canvas wings and redid the interior. And they, they flew that around for a handful of years. Um, but it mean like no radios, no nothing. Mm. I mean, it was just, you know. No electrics, hand prop? Or to have a no, it, it had a battery, but he did have to hand prop it when he was having a problem with no. his battery or alternator. So he would have to hand prop it every once in a while. A couple times he left the throttle a little bit too high and had to <laughs> oh, no had to catch it. <laughs> so that's that's oh, that can be sketchy. Very sketchy. Yeah. Then um, then he traded up to a Beechcraft Skipper. Okay. Does anyone know what the hell that thing is? Yeah, it's still a trainer. You know, is it? it, it uh, it's tricycle gear, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically a tomahawk, but Beechcraft made it. Yeah. Okay. I know the Sundowner, but that's the big brother must be of the Skipper. And is it a two-seater, yeah. the Skipper? It's a two. Yeah, right? it's a two-seater. Yeah. yeah, it's a little Skipper. I think it's got like 110 horsepower or something tiny. Yeah. Um, but he had, you know, like one Navcom, um, and he flew that thing across country, like Florida to Washington three times, I think. Oh, my gosh. You know, no <laughs> autopilot, no, you know, just like crazy. I don't know why you would do that, but obviously out of necessity, you know, moved a couple of times, but still it seems like <laughs> rip the wings off, put it on a train and, I'll, you know, I'll see you in a month. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Solid like 90 knots across the United States. Sounds, sounds like yeah. a, heck of a good time. <laughs> yeah. With a tailwind. But I, he had that until I was two. And I, I flew around in that plane with him when I was two. I mean, I don't remember it all, but, you know, I was in the the booster seat in the front and he'd let me have the controls and fly around and stuff. So the idea of general aviation was introduced to me at a very young age. Um, and, you know, he never we never owned a plane after that, but he did rent a plane a few times. So I've. I flew with him probably a dozen times total, and it was just like a little Cherokee, probably a 160, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did like really, really local stuff around the Seattle-Tacoma area. Um, just went to lunch and, you know, flew a couple of my friends around, but very, very minimal. But it was still the concept of being in a small plane that you control yourself and, you know, the idea of going to an airport that doesn't, you know, you're not doing any big trips in it, but just, you know, kind of like a sports car, you know, going on a little weekend yeah, just cruise. Grabbing those $100 hamburgers, the breakfasts, yeah. whatever, man. And I never had any concept of that because when you're a little kid, money doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, you know, I asked my dad years later, like, hey, you've heard of the $100 hamburger, right? He's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, that's all I used to do. <laughs> um, right. So, so that was kind of, that seed was planted, but I had other priorities growing up at, you know, when I was a little kid, I'm six, five. So I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty tall guy, um, pretty athletic. And when I was in third grade, I kind of made up my mind that I wanted to play basketball. 
And my goal was to play in college and to have college paid for. I get a scholarship to play basketball in college. And I'm a pretty goal-oriented person even back then. And I remember having that conversation with my dad and he goes, all right, well, like, you know, if, if that's your goal, like I'll do whatever, you know, very, very supportive. Um, and I'll do whatever you want, you know, whatever you need me to do to help support you. I'm not going to push you, but if that's what you want, I'll be here to, to back you up on that. Mm-hmm. And, and he did. And I, I mean, that was, I was laser focused from third grade through college on, on basketball. Um, I had a bunch of other interests, like super into cars, really into video and production. I, re- I remember even going through my recruitment process. I would always go to the communication department and the broadcast department. I wanted to be in broadcast in some, some way, you know, whether it was production or editing or, you know, yeah. directing or something. I wanted, I, I knew that I wanted to do that. I, you know, did some DJing through high school a little bit, had some radio shows here and there and like community radio. So I had other interests, but never enough time to pursue any of them because of basketball. And like, like you guys kind of alluded to um, when we were setting up, you know, just like don't have enough time, you know, there's not enough time to do all the stuff you love, ideally. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a commodity that it's hard to come by sometimes when you've got a, you know, family and other obligations. <sighs> yeah, I mean, every everything gets in the way of everything else, and being able to to manage that as an adolescent, you know, especially with specifically with athletics, you got to be so like overcommitted to to even getting as far as making it on a college team, uh, let alone, you know, having college coaches in your living room recruiting you and, you know, to get to that level takes just, I mean, year round. I just like, I didn't have a life. Like I didn't go out in high school. I never partied. I didn't really have, you know, like my friends were just on the team. So I had this whole other side of me that I just kind of you know, every once in a while would do something involved with cars or, you know, I'd go to a car dealer, a car show with my dad or something, but, or, you know, air shows, but I never really had the time to, to focus on it. So fast forward to being back up in Seattle, um, working for this automotive surface care company, making YouTube videos, building this PC, thinking to myself, holy crap, I could, I could, probably run a pretty bitchin' flight sim on this thing. So I went into research mode and started looking at what was available and was blown away at what was available. I had not looked at it since probably 98, since I played that U.S. Navy fighters Uh uh, PC game. And I was just like, this is real. Like, I couldn't believe... Just the graphic side of it, yeah. Let alone it's the simulation. So side. much, right? So what what year are we talking about now? How long? How long? This ago? this was two thousand, like the end of two thousand sixteen. I want to say. Oh, so I mean, it's okay. it's a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. this is pretty new. Yeah. Um, X Plane Eleven, I think, was a year year and a half, two years old by that by that time. Um, and uh, John and Brad, are, how familiar are you guys with the the flight sim offerings? I haven't done too much in a while. I had a X plane. Oh God, ten. Okay, I want to say for a while, and I had the um, 
like a set of CH yoke and uh, um, rudder pedals for a while, but I, I didn't do too much for it um, with it. Um, I got it kind of when I was finishing up training um, mm, to putz okay. around, but it, it just, to me, it never felt right. So I kind of like stopped doing it as much and then ran out of time and other things. But I mean, I, I played Flight Sim 95 and Flight Sim 2000, I think, for a long time, but mostly as like a kid, just like, being goofy with Puts it or around. whatever, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, scratching an itch that you yeah. you can't. <laughs> well, it, and, and it's just insane that you can go full on as crazy instrument flight rules type flying that as you want to do with the latest and greatest technology that they have out there at G one thousand glass cockpit whatever they have it in the latest flight sim and like almost like every button does what it's supposed to do now. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So and yeah, and echoing that, I guess I I go back a little further than you guys do. I remember A two FS one and A two FS two, but that was in the early eighties, um, <laughs> and uh, was not nearly so advanced. But I do use uh, well the sim that we have at my flying club is based on X plane, uh, and that's a certified sim. I can log approaches in it, uh, and mm, cool. The and I use it sometimes at home when I'm going to be doing some tricky flying, like in and around mountains. I will fire it up and and just get a look at it before seeing it for the first time out the cockpit window. Um, and it, it's great for it. You know, you get accurate um, topography. You get accurate. Uh, you get an accurate-ish flying experience. It doesn't get into. Uh, more sophisticated weather, but it, it gives you enough of an idea that you can um, that you can get ready for what you're about to experience for real. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's that's what um, what I learned very quickly as well. So I I I found like I just you know I did the research and it's like okay X plane eleven that's the the latest flight model that's the best everyone's starting to move away from FSX. And so I made, I made my choice and I went on steam, which is like a online marketplace for computer games. It's like iTunes for computer games, essentially. And X plane 11 was on sale. It was like half off. I was like, sweet man. So I, I picked that up for like 30 bucks and fired it up, went to my then local airport, which is Tacoma, uh, Tacoma Narrows airport. And just in the default 172, I clicked like, you know, quick start just to get the engine going. And I flew around a little bit and then I stopped and then, uh, you know, I went and did whatever the next day I came back and I was like, I was thinking about it that day. I was like, that was kind of fun. Like the, you know, graphics were amazing. Um, looked, looked pretty cool. So I go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and see if I can get this thing started. And I, I mean, again, I probably a dozen flights with my dad he ta- he hangar flies with me all the time, but it's usually about jets and, you know, stuff that is, you know, way over my head um, and will forever be over my head probably. <laughs> um, so I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know any procedures. I didn't know even the concept of, of getting a checklist. It never even occurred to me like, oh, I could just go online and look up how to do this. So I'm sitting there on the ramp and it was in the default 172. It's a 172S. Um, and then like Chris said, every button works 
with very, very few exceptions, like the cabin heat thing is not like the knob doesn't actually turn, <laughs> but you know, it's like, who cares? Right. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the ramp and I'm like looking at all the buttons and it's just 172. So I'm like flipping the battery and the alternator and I'm turning on all the lights and, you know, I've like, I don't know, fiddling with the throttle then trying to start it and the thing is not biting it's just not catching it's not turning on and i'm like man i like i'm i think i have everything turned on here like what am i missing so i called my dad and i said it's like hey dad um i got this computer program i'm sitting on the ramp here in this 172 i can't get this thing started i i that's that's got to be a hilarious conversation actually it took him a second to figure it out. He was like, "He's like, you're you're doing what now? What? Like, what do you you know? Like, ro- like I can hear him rolling his right. eyes over the phone. He's like, you're what? What are you doing? I'm like, I, I got this computer, this flight simulator. Remember, like the one we had in you know 20 years ago. He's like, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm, it's like that, but it looks cooler. Do we get, um, do we get to guess? Yeah, why you can guess. Start? Oh, so you're, yeah. So you're, so you're in a 172s, right? Yeah, it's you can't it's, start those. It, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's fuel injected. Correct. Yes. Didn't have the fuel pump on. No. Well, or if you had the fuel pump on and the mixture rich, you flooded it. Yeah, um, and if you flood it, it won't go, and you have to do the mixture full mixture, but then the throttle needs to be quarter in. Oh, see, you guys, you guys are pilots because what I actually did is far less complicated than you never you're advanced the mixture than you're going to. So he's like, so he's sitting there. I can, I can know exactly where he's at. He's sitting on his couch, just going like scratching his forehead, Wait going, "All right, I'm, I'm troubleshooting a fictitious 172 yeah. with my son over the phone." Okay, yeah, let's go through he's, the checklist here, son. All right, yeah. So I mean, he's got you know plenty of hours in 172. He's like, okay. He's like, all right, you got the battery switch on. I'm like, yeah, is that the red thing on the left? He goes, yes. I go, that's in. He goes, yeah, okay. Um, it's like, well, there's, it's a 172. Like, there's not much. Um, okay, so you got the mags on both, right? I go, yeah. He's like, okay. And fuel pump, switch that on for like a couple seconds. I go, okay. He's like, is it fuel injected? I go, uh, dude, I don't know. Maybe he's like okay. Yeah, this um, is very different from real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's like okay. Do you see the do you see the red plungery thing on the right? I go yeah. He goes Make is sure. that in or out? And I go the plungery thing is out. He goes okay. Push that in and then try starting it. And I pushed it in and I turned the key and it started right up. And I went holy crap. Oh yeah, you need a little <laughs> throttle, right? Okay, now you I know that's a simulator. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And and this is in I mean like way more advanced like it's the default one. It starts way easier than like the the realism pack 172 and the real 172. Yeah. Right. You so, didn't have to you didn't have to pressurize the fuel system. <laughs> no, yeah, you didn't have to do you didn't have to prime it, you didn't have to do anything. And I just had it like full, you know, full I throttle. just fire We're going to start it on yeah. full throttle, baby. Firewall the mixture and and it's and it started and he goes, Okay, now pull that back a little bit and he kinda like walked me through and he goes like and that's pretty much it. I go, Okay, cool, thanks. And I just, you know, went and flew around and whatever. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Good thing the brakes were still new. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's after, not an engine simulator. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But after that experience, I I mean I was just like, man. My dad, who hasn't flown, you know, a 172 in God knows how long, um, was able to to get this computer program, this computer game started for me. 
And that kind of was like, this is really close to real. This is close to something. Yes. And it was a, you know, a major epiphany in what a simulator could be, what a flight simulator could, could be. So I use that to go, okay, this, I can apply real world knowledge to fly in the simulator. So then I just, I got hooked and I went, you know, went online, um, found out what a checklist was and how useful that could be. <laughs> and, and this started like little by little plugging in kind of, you know, like scenery packs and downloading planes oh, and, yeah. you know, just kind of not really going crazy because I didn't, you know, I didn't have the money nor want to spend the money on, yeah, you know. That can get out of hand really fast. Oh, really fast. The uh, but, scenery packs like he's talking about, like you're buying them for, uh, you know, specific areas. And you can also then buy a specific airport if you would like it to be more real world of what you're used to. Say you like I like to fly to, you know, Deer Valley Airport where I learned to fly, you know. Well, the default one, I'm like going, yeah, those buildings don't look right. That <laughs> that building's not even there, and the and the tower's on the wrong side of the runways because it used to be over here, but now it's over there. You know, you gotta you gotta fix all these things to make it right. Well, that costs money. And then there's weather. You want good looking weather, right? You want the clouds to look right, not like just you know puffy looking white solid things in the sky. You know, that costs money. <sighs> yeah, it all it all adds up. But being being very frugal. Um, I'm not going to say I'm cheap. I'm just very frugal. There you I'm go. Me too. Value. You know, I, I I look for a value. Yeah. So I found this this thing called an ortho. Yes. Chris knows it. It's absolutely game changer for flight sim. It's basically a satellite image of varying resolutions. You can pick. You know, based. I mean, it just is a function of storage size. So mm-hmm. the the higher resolution, the more storage you need to hold these images and so you take these satellite images and you drape it over the the mesh the 3d mesh that the simulator provides so x-plane is a one-to-one recreation of the planet all all elevations down to like a crazy detail and up to space oh up to space yeah um so you can you can reskin this 3d mesh globe with photorealistic scenery and how much does so it cost? it's free that's that's amazing that that you got to give it to the people that put in the gazillion hours that 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 make it look so good for it's un- yeah for it's unbelievable oh my god it, it changed it, I, I mean i just downloaded one i just had one tile over the puget sound area and you know if if you catch it in the right angle it is like indistinguishable from real life. And so I just started kind of flying around and, um, you know, just like amazed at how cool it looked and kind of like, Hey, I want to do this more realistic and just kept looking at YouTube videos and seeing how people use this and what kind of add ons there are. And, um, just figuring out ways like excuses to fly. <laughs> and that was, that was the kind of the big, the big hurdle early on was I need an excuse to, to, to fly this airplane, um, it, you know, in the simulator, we, we all know now, I mean, I know that this now and you guys know, have known it for a long time there. You don't need an excuse to fly. If you can fly, you're going to fly, whether it's in the pattern, whether it's to the airport you usually go to, or, you know, just yeah. do a little city tour. Mm-hmm. Like 
we the last thing we need is a reason to fly. But in the simulator, once you kind of buzzed around your little orthode, you know, neighborhood, it's kind of like, all right, what else do you got? You know, what other planes are in here? What what? And it, looking at this from just a strictly video game ish kind of viewpoint, so I came up with this idea to get my wife involved, and I wanted her to kind of learn this as well because she had expressed interest in aviation when we were going through college. Um, her, it's kind of a tragic little side story, but her uncle was a CFI um, and was killed in a small plane crash with uh, with two students in Florida. So I had known that and was surprised when she displayed interest in wanting to to fly when we were in college and we went to Brackett Field in Pomona where we went to school and I got the little sheet on what it takes to get a pilot's license for her, not for me, <laughs> and looked at the price and it was just like, good Lord, dude, yeah, right. you want six, you want $6,000 to, to learn how to fly? <laughs> like, dude, I am getting $5 hot and ready pizzas <laughs> and I'm trying to string those out for a couple of days. I'm not giving you six grand for anything. <laughs> so we kind of, we kind of squash that for, we go, Maybe when we're a little bit older, we can come back to this. So I'm like, Juliet, look at this amazing simulator. Like you kind of wanted to learn how to fly. We should try to do this together. So I had this idea to fly to the seven wonders of the world. There's a really good show called um, Idiot Abroad with Carl Pilkington. It's the Ricky Gervais, the creator of The Office. Mm-hmm. It's his friend. It's hilarious. It's one of the best travel shows ever. The, the guy is just super funny. But we were watching that show on Netflix at the time. And, it, you know, it was like, it'd be kind of fun to go to these. So let's virtually go to them. Sure. So I planned this trip and I was, I, I did it with Sky Vector. I had like looked up how to flight plan and stumbled on flight or Sky Vector. And I'm like plotting, you know, routes like straight lines, like yeah. as straight as you can go. I had no idea, you know, other than that, how to, how to flight plan, but I was just like, okay, I want to go from Seattle to LA. And I just drew a straight line. I loaded up the 737 in X plane and I flew from <laughs> Seattle to LA. That was my first leg because I wanted to take another flight from, and I was trying to do this like, okay, how would you do this in real life? How would we fly from, to the seven wonders of the world if we were doing it for real. And it forced me to think about flight planning, fuel, types of planes. You know, I just kind of got a feel for range and how you would go about doing this. Um, so we did that whole flight. We flew around the world. We used a 747, a 737, uh, the, the 172 for like kind of the local flights. Um, I think the Baron, and this is like all default planes in the simulator. Yeah. So they're not very high fidelity, but at least was a good kind of like cross section of, of different types of planes and stuff. And it, we, we added a little fun factor where wherever we landed, we would have, we would make a dinner based off of that location. <laughs> Which was really fun. It was like a fun way to get her involved. And we'd go to the store and, you know, for landing in Brazil, we got some like Brazilian, you know, shrimp and cheese. It's like weird Brazilian cheese and whatever, okay. some rum. <laughs> and we just, we did that in every location. We went up to uh, Florida for a layover to Rome. You know, it's like we had 
Cuban food and then we went to Rome we had pasta and then we went to China and you know like just every every stop we had a little meal so that kind of kept it fresh and fun um and throughout this whole thing I'm just soaking up all this aviation stuff and by the end of it it's like man this is this is way too much fun like we should do this for real we should really learn how to fly and and Julia like we we like I mean had a little conversation about it and she's like you got to do it like we've we've talked about this, you know, varying times. You just you gotta do it. I like her. Let's already. do it. Yeah. Oh, she was <laughs> supportive from the beginning, and I think a lot of it was she had expressed interest in it before, and with my like renewed passion for it, she kind of saw me being her meal ticket to getting in an airplane, and was like, if you want to go through all of that do it like i that would be so much fun like if you want to be the one to do all the studying and stuff that that's great so went back to the internet like how to be a pilot (laughs) i'm just like looking up youtube videos and i'm in my little bubble here i i i have not found a community at this point yet and found this thing called a discovery flight and was like well that sounds kind of easy to do, I guess. So I called up the local flight school and it's, I mean, you guys know, you just schedule a flight. It's like, do I need to bring anything? They're like, no, just, you know, show up, just just show up, just whatever you, you know, whatever you want to do, just show up. So I was really, really excited. Where was this at? What, what, uh, what airport? It's TIW. So it's, uh, Tacoma Narrows airport. Um, right by the galloping Gertie, the old footage from the sixties of the bridge falling over. It's just right, right where that is Looks about nice. an hour South of Seattle. Cool. It's a gorgeous airport. Yeah. Very pretty. So at this point I had downloaded this plane from a developer that had an Aspen 1000 in it. And I didn't know anything about really avionics, but I was flying this, this beach craft. It was a, a 36 was the first plane that I bought and I had, you know, use that on a lot of the little around the world flights that, that we did. So I was like familiar with this Aspen 1000 and I knew that our discovery flight was going to be in a 172. So I did some like preparation in this, the default 172 in the simulator, finally get to our discovery flight. And it's in a 172 that happens to have an Aspen 1000 in it. And I get in, you know, we get into the plane with the CFI um, and she, well, Julie, I wanted Julia to fly first. I wanted her to be in the front first. So I go, okay, I'm going to be in the back. You fly out to this uncontrolled airport. We'll switch. I'll get in the front and then do some air work and then fly back and do some touch and goes. So Julia gets in it and the instructor, she's going through her spiel with Julia and he, hold here. And, you know, I got the controls. And then, you know, if, if you, want me to take them like just let me know and you know it's fine um so we go and it's like a really short flight like 10 minute flight to this little airport we stop we do a little little fire drill i hop in (laughs) and the instructor was you know i mean i just bought my logbook like in the lobby there (laughs) i'm like brand new and she knows that and you know i told her like hey i'm flying in the sim a little bit she's like okay um you know, here's that, here's that. And I just immediately start flipping all these <laughs> switches. And she like looks at me and was like, wow, like you, you really have been practicing in the simulator. 
And you know, it's kind of like smile that I'm playing with the um, the heading bug on the Aspen, which I don't know if you guys have any experience with the Aspen. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's like every all the little. It's like a G1000 that someone just like shrunk the window by half, <laughs> and you can't read anything on it. That oh, sucks. I like ours. <laughs> you do. I found it very like the the vertical speed is for me. It was impossible to read that. Oh, okay. But it's it, but it's it is glass and it is very functional and and it was just a single aspen. Um, I've seen some setups with dual aspens and I don't know if that if there's any benefit to that. But um, so the flight went fantastic and it it was enough to say to tell me that one I freaking love this and two the simulator actually helped. It got me to a point where I knew where all the buttons were. I knew that the red plungery thing, <laughs> that that was the mixture, and I knew how to advance that, and I knew how to lean at that point, and I picked up all the stuff with zero time. Right. Which is really, I mean, like for a discovery flight, it's kind of unnecessary, but it at least was um, all I needed to know to to realize that this was totally worth my time if I wanted to pursue getting my license. Yeah. Then two months later, I get the job down back down here um, to come to Southern California. So I was like, all right, I'm going to forget about this for now. Moving sucks. So we're just, you know, going to get down there, find a place, go through all that. Um, so I was without my computer for a while but I was like, I still want to do this. And, and I thought instead of going like feet first into this like crazy airspace in Southern California, I'm going to do another discovery flight. I'm going to do one more just to see if I like it with this craziness. Cause yeah, you know, a, a little Delta, you know, airport with just trees everywhere. It's a completely different feel than Holy crap. I'm in the well, I mean, it might be the busiest, but I mean, I think New York, the uh, tri-state area is probably a little bit busier and more congested, but let's just say the second, first or second busiest airspace in the world. I'm going to learn on that. Right. Like, give me a break. <laughs> the once a year I get to experience it, it is like, you know, it's like, I almost like mentally try and prep myself for it before I get in the airplane each time. Now, like, you know, be ready, Chris, those radio calls come fast and heavy and the radio never <laughs> stops. You better, you know, be concise and very specific with your radio calls. Don't look like a jackass. Remember, will this look stupid on the NTSB report? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's completely different ball game. And from just the little that I had studied to that point, and by little amount of studying, I mean like hundreds and hundreds of hours of YouTube videos and podcasts. Like I went completely crazy with it, um, but nothing official. So I, um, while I was going through this, like discovering aviation, um, I, like I said, was working for this company making YouTube videos and was kind of on the side watching these gameplay videos. So now that I had this computer and had this thing that I kind of like doing, I was like, ah, I could, I could throw up a couple of YouTube videos. Um, that'd be kind of fun. So I started just recording stupid flights. I mean, like the dumbest things I could think of, like, hey, will this thing take off if I made it overweight? 
Or, hey, what are the most dangerous airports in the world that I could fly to and like videotape me flying to? So I started just like posting these 10 to an hour long videos of the simulator gameplay footage that I was recording on my computer and got like a little microphone and just started making some videos. Um, they started getting some views and there's a couple that just for me like blew up. Like there were commas in the views. I'm like, I got a thousand views on this stupid video, which was me and an X 15 seeing how high I could fly <laughs> and like re refueling <laughs> it. Yeah. I would refuel it. You guys, this is like the stupidest thing ever, but I, it's, it's a rocket. So it's got a very short fuel life and it would burn out after 60 seconds. I would go into the menu. I would refuel it. I'd burn it again. And I kept doing that. That video has 30,000 views. Wow. <laughs> it's interesting. Like the internet is a weird place, you guys. The <laughs> internet is a very bizarre place. Never knew who you're going to find. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that was like, holy crap, I could make flight sim videos and people would actually watch it. That's kind of cool. So I just, you know, would play around with different things and, you know, like the dangerous airport challenge. And that's kind of where I got introduced to sceneries and downloading airports and testing out sceneries. And hey, what if I do a little plane review? I'm going to download this plane and do a little review or download this airport and do a review. And the more I started doing that, the more I would... um be introduced to other things like different airplanes and different plugins and uh, like Chris said, weather plugins and things to kind of tailor the the sim to your needs. Um, you know, you guys alluded to using, um, you know, the sim to brush up on uh, instrument procedures or if you're flying into a mountainous area, you know, what, what that looks like and what terrain avoidance you might need to take. And there's, all, you know, as we know, tons of different kinds of flying, and there's somebody that's interested in that, and someone that spends some time developing something to help satisfy that niche in this aviation world. You know, yeah. um, stole and uh, float planes, and you name it, they've uh, recreated airliner. It. Yeah, someone's got something. So, just kind of being introduced to all these different aspects of it. It came like really quick. I mean, I was learning so much just by making these videos, watching videos, reading some comments. Hey, did you try this scenery? Hey, did you look at this plane? So, uh, just just to go back, so you were talking about. So you you moved back, moved down to here to California. You moved to California, yeah. And then you you think about, hey, I want to maybe take another another uh, uh um you know discovery, discovery flight. flight, yeah, and see what's what about down here. So yeah. where where did that happen at and, and and was it in a different kind of plane and what was that like? So I in, in this like discovery of this flight sim world I found this service called Pilot Edge. Yes. And it's an air traffic control plugin with live real people controlling. Um and that that was the the one piece of the simulator that was missing and the one thing that I was most concerned about flying in Southern California with, as Chris alluded to. It's a different ball game. So I signed up for Pilot Edge. So this is a this is a paid for service. Un paid for service. Unlike some people might be familiar with something called VATSIM, mm -hmm. which is a, a, a free service, but remember you get what you pay for, right? You absolutely get what you pay for. 
Um, it happens that Pilot Edge is focused around Southern California, the ZLA uh, radar sector. And it's, it's really just because of the uh, concentration of airports and the uniqueness of the airspace. There's, there's one of at, le- at least one of everything in this SoCal area. So I, I sign up for this service. I like stumble my way through. Um, oh my God, it was so bad. You guys like, I mean, I'm getting yelled at by these controllers left and right. You have all these ratings that you have to get before you're just allowed to go do your own thing. Which I kind of didn't, I didn't do that at first. I just was like, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to be based out of John Wayne. I had kind of bounced between Fullerton and John Wayne. And I just was like, you know, John Wayne's closer. There's more flight schools there. I'm going to just try to fly out of John Wayne. So I just did local flights out of John Wayne. I mean, you guys, like I have, I mean, they're up online. Like none of this is hidden. (laughs) I have my first pilot edge flights online right now. Um, that's people are still watching. It's pretty funny. It's it's also kind of embarrassing. They're like, dude, you suck at it, you know the radios. <laughs> I'm like, look at my newer videos. I'm I'm better. Just takes practice. Um, yeah, but I mean, and I'll ask this question to you guys because I, I would be curious to hear what your feedback is. Do you remember the first time you pressed that radio button in in the real plane? <laughs> I do. Tra- yeah. Tragically, yeah. In the DC airspace. <laughs> It's terrifying, right? Well, so uh, do you do you you, you know what uh, liveatc.net is? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah, I listen I listen to that all the time. Right? That you know, um a friend of ours uh is the one who who started that and and now you can, no yeah, way. that you, you can pick up almost, you know, just there's just thousands of airports. In fact, I'm the host for the Deer Valley Airport out of my house. Dude, that's awesome. But I was listening to that for such a long time, even before I ever got um, it, it, my first flight in, in in a plane as me being the pilot. So, like on my third flight as a, as a as a, a student, I told my instructor, I said, "I'll take care of the radios from now on." And she's like, "You will?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, let me give it a shot. Feel free to back me up, but I think I understand it, you know." And yeah, I'm sure I fumbled it as bad as I fumble this podcast from time to time. But, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it's, you learn from making your own mistakes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And making those mistakes on a, you know, from the comfort of my office is a fantastic way to do it. I mean, there, there are still times where I pause before I hit that mic button, you know, to this day on the the simulator, because I just, you know, like you want to make sure that you're, saying everything correctly obviously i'm like streaming with people watching so there's you know i don't want to look like too much of an idiot but you know i so i i do these initial flights on pilotage i post the video um and it was it was tough man like i mean it, it took it took weeks and weeks to to get to a point where i was comfortable doing just some of these simple flights around socal let alone the bravo transitions um but like I, I slowly worked up, and I like I didn't get discouraged. Like I listened to live ATC. I watched other people stream on Pilot Edge um, because they're they are very strict in terms of phraseology because that's their purpose. It's not like real controllers whose sole purpose is safety and then maybe phraseology after that. 
Um, you know, there's less of a safety aspect and more of a say this correctly aspect to it. Um, so like listening to live ATC, I'm saying, you know, uh, you know, Piper four, four, four Foxtrot golf with you 3000. I learned really quick that saying with you is a real quick way to get made fun of on pilot edge. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the controllers wish that they could tell you to shut up with it, but they <laughs> they can't because it just takes more time. Yes, exactly. So in on Pilot Edge, they've got the time to let you know that what you just did was really stupid, and you know don't do that. Or I mean, to be I mean they 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 have a very difficult job. They're controlling forty three airports, ground tower, all the center, all of the approach controls. It's one person doing all of that. So it's very difficult and they can, you know, get task saturated and get kind of short if you're, you know, stumbling through what you, um, yeah, I'm 12 and a half miles to the west of the airport. <laughs> I'm looking to land and, um, you know, I mean, just, there's like, get moving, dude. Yeah. So I fumbled my way through, uh, being proficient in at least leaving John Wayne, which is a class Charlie airport. And the first time that I tried to do this, I treated it like I had always heard it where it was just, you know, you get your taxi, you go to the runway and then you leave, you know, you don't really have to tell anyone necessarily what you're doing. John Wayne, that's not the case. There's, you know, I mean, you guys know clearance and delivery, then ground, then tower, and then you're on approach afterwards. And there are four distinct um, departures, VFR departures out of John Wayne. And I learned all of them. And this is all before that second, um, discovery flight. So I know how to, to get a clearance taxi, where to taxi, what direction to fly the exact headings that they're going to tell me and the exact altitude restrictions that they're going to tell me. These guys on pilot, so, edge, if I'm not mistaken, aren't they all real, eight, real air traffic controllers? Not necessarily. Some of them are ex air traffic controllers, um, some of them just built up time on VATSIM mm. and moved over to Pilot Edge. Okay. There are a few guys that use Pilot Edge as a way to train for the real thing, um, but it is very difficult for the real world controllers who have been guest controllers on Pilot Edge to manage that scenario because they're used to having their own airspace. Yeah. And you've got guys coming in, you got guys coming out, and that's it. Um, so uh, pilot edge, hey, hey Brad, when, when we're at Oshkosh and we do the, um, we do the proficiency center and you do the instrument stuff, aren't you talking to a controller? They, yes, they Well, I, I think Brad, Brad just dropped out. I think, Oops. um, yeah, sorry, I didn't see that somehow I dropped out. but yes, pilot edge does have a booth at, um, at Oshkosh. So that would be what he's they they set that up specially for that um, for that event, and that is Pilot okay. Edge. I thought that's I yeah. thought that's what it was because I know like uh, you know we, we go to the pilot proficiency booth and you can go fly simulator with a with a um, a real um, um, flight instructor and even log the time if it's instrument or whatever mm -hmm. you know. And Brad usually goes yeah. and does that and gets some holds in and 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 landings and whatever and has has yeah. the has the instructor even signed the logbook and the whole thing because it's it's legal. Cool. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they're talking to Pilot Edge. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <clears throat> I just yeah. confirmed with the partners on it. Okay. Site, so. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it is Pilot Edge. And, and even the the uh, um, creator of Pilot Edge, Keith Smith, he, he'll go to that show and he'll be on site 
maybe with one or two other guys um, as well. So, so I get this procedure down out of one of the busiest general aviation airports in the country, one of the busiest um, training airports in the country. So I get this, I get this down. Um, I have this discovery flight canceled like three times because of weather, believe it or not. <laughs> there was like um, marine layers, so the visibility was bad, which was really frustrating because I was so excited since I had built up this um, this knowledge, like I felt like I had a handle on the airplane. I had a handle on the air traffic communications and therefore the airspace, like I'm learning charts. I'm learning how to, you know, I got to, you know, watch out for Bravo airspace and transitions and deltas and, you know, like the whole thing, I'm, I, the, the picture's becoming clearer at this point. So I'm really excited to get in the real plane again after just a tiny little taste of it. So we go to the flight school, and Julia is along with me again on this one. She just was in the back this time. And the instructor is, you know, giving me the tour of the the flight school. Like, hey, here's our simulator, and here's our little debrief rooms, and let's go out to the plane. We're walking out to the plane, and I said, hey, um, I've been flying on the simulator, and I've been practicing the radios. Is it okay if, if, I, if I use the radio, if I'm on the radios? And he, he was like... <laughs> He like looked at me like, uh, yeah, like yeah, that's fine, you know. And there's like really no harm in saying yes in that scenario because if I make a fool out of myself, he can just take over, and you know, it's like whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, sweet. And I was kind of worried that he'd be like, well, you know, we don't really like, you know, how many hours do you have? You know, I have like one hour <laughs> logged at this point, and half of them was in the back. <laughs> um, so I was kind of worried that he would say no. And he said yes, and we we do the pre-flight, and he you know was in pre. And I I wasn't like trying to seem like I knew more than I should at that point. I was just kind of asking questions, and I think he could tell that I was a little bit more knowledgeable than having one hour logged. So we get into the plane, and we get the ATIS, and there was a couple of things that were a little bit different in the simulator than in real life. And it was like some of the frequencies were a little bit different that the that John Wayne uses in real life versus what's published and therefore what Pilot Edge uses. Like there's a there's two ground frequencies published at John Wayne, but you only use one. They hardly ever use the second frequency, even though it's for the west side. So even if you're on the west side, you use the one twenty point eight unless someone's got a mic stuck and they move everyone over. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there were like a few things like that that he's like, oh, no, we actually use this frequency. I'm like, okay. So I get the ATIS, I write the ATIS down, and then I go over to 12185, which is clearance and delivery. And again, I have an hour of time at this point, and I, I call up clearance and delivery. Uh, John Wayne Clearance, Skyhawk 363 Sierra Papa, which I knew that going into the flight, so I had used that in the simulator. Uh, 363 Sierra Papa at Dove Street with information Bravo. Uh, we'd like a Newport departure uh, t- with flight following to Dana Point and back. Wait, and like I look over at him and he's just like, what the hell His just happened? His eyes wide open. He's <laughs> like, going, yeah, he's am like, I getting <laughs> punked? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what is this? So the guy reads back. He's like, uh, 363 Sierra Papa on uh, departure, flight heading 150 out or below 2400 until advised. Departure frequency 124 point whatever two, I think. Uh, and squawk zero two, whatever, whatever. 
And I write it down. I read back. All right, departure heading fly 150 out of below 2400 until advised. Departure frequency 142 or 124.2 and squawking 0252-363 Sierra Papa. He goes, read back is correct. So go to ground. And like, I mean, like the hair on my arms are standing up like, <laughs> oh my God, I just did this in the real world. This is freaking crazy. And I look over at him and he just was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> That's got to be a good feeling. Like it was, oh, it was, I mean, the read back is correct. Um, is one of my favorite things to yeah. hear. I absolutely love that sound. And so we just, we did the flight and, you know, I'm on the radios the entire time, all the way through. Um, we did a practice ILS um, because the ILS took us over our house. So it was like, we we're like right underneath the approach end. So like the only way to really fly over is to do an approach. So we did this little tour up the, or down the coast, back up, did the practice ILS on the radios the whole time, landed at John Wayne and just completely freaked out at how amazing it was. And we're just like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to fly using the simulator. I am going to practice my butt off. And when, when I have a lesson, I am going to be so prepared that it's basically just going through the motions. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to debrief it again and go over what I learned on the actual lesson. So that's basically what I've done is I'll, I'll plan a flight, you know, wh- whatever the flight is, and I'll kind of coordinate it with the CFI. Like, hey, we're going to fly to Corona. We're going to do some practice, you know, we're going to do some, some laps around Corona and come back. So I'll do that in the sim. I'll stream it. I'll, you know, talk to the chat, learn some things, come back hop in the plane, do it for real. I ended up getting a GoPro, record it, um, do the flight, come back, upload it, debrief it on stream, go over what I learned, do it again in the simulator. And that's helped me, um, one, separate what the simulator does well and what it doesn't do well, and, and also drive home what I learned in the flight. And I think, John, you had mentioned that the the simulator doesn't do a good job of um, feeling like the real plane. And I, I'll completely agree with you on that because there's a lot of things that the simulator does that you just would never do in real life and vice versa. So being aware of that is really has been important to me to use primarily the simulator as a procedural tool and a visualization tool as, you know, as a, past athlete um you know visualization was a huge part of my success there where you know imagining shooting the ball and you know going in or visualizing the game and you know performing well so using this like in some cases photorealistic tool to visualize the flight and then go up and do it i mean there have been times where i'm like i can't believe i am seeing this in the real life in real life because this is exactly like it is in the sim exactly and my brain doesn't know the difference. It's completely fooled. Looks and sounds exactly real. Yeah, you've been you've been doing it so long now, right? That uh, you know, once you're inside the simulator and you've been inside this, and you've been trying to fly the, simu- the similar plane the whole time too. Yeah, I I fly the same the similar plane, and I even have had been very lucky to have some community members that are very gifted in aircraft painting. I have the real liveries. N number and all of the planes that I fly in the simulator. 
So I go outside the plane. It is the plane that I am flying. It's it's crazy. So my brain really is freaked out. It has no <laughs> idea what where reality <laughs> ends and begins. So you um so you take this discovery flight. It it just it goes swimmingly. You're just like you're you're hooked. The the instructor's like yes, and you're like sign me up. I want to do this. Pretty yeah. much. You're like yeah, pretty much, and. It, it, I ended up having a different instructor um, who I did the same, you know, hey, can I have the radios? Yeah, sure, if you want. You know, and like the big eyes next to me, like, oh, my God, like, how did you learn how to do that? Like, how many hours right. do you have? Um, but, you know, I just don't have the money. Like, it's oh, so expensive. Yeah. So, so speaking of that, this is one of the things that we've all talked about on that. So, you're, you're flying out of. You're flying out of John Wayne, ridiculously mm-hmm. busy airport. You've got day-to-day, um, you know, Southwest jets and everything else going out of that same place. You know, yeah. You, you hear, you hear caution wake turbulence more than anybody. Every time, almost every right? time. Yeah. So that that's a big thing that you're very well aware of now, and and are always looking out for and stuff probably. And uh, speaking of that, has, yeah. has that ever come into uh, come into play where you're like going, ooh? You know, we got a little yeah, close yeah. the pucker factor. Yeah, I got bit once by it. <laughs> um, not too bad. Probably like, uh, eh, like 15 degree bank. Um, very, it, it was kind of like a rogue one, I feel like, because it was it was very far back from where you would normally experience any any wake turbulence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I've been um, lucky enough to have been introduced to it so early that it's kind of commonplace now that when I, when I see somebody taking off or landing, obviously ATC gives me the heads up. Um, I know that if I'm, if I'm landing, I'm going to land a little bit long. If I'm taking off, I'm going to take off a little bit yeah, short. Before them. And you're um, keeping a, a picture yeah. in your head of where did they take off from? Where did they put their wheels mm-hmm. down and so forth? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I'm, yeah, very, very aware of that. Um, so what are some of the, what were some of the biggest challenges of of, of starting your uh, your um, your flying career, if you will, out of out of John Wayne, you know, out of this ridiculously busy airport for a newbie, right? Yeah, well, you know, it the the biggest challenge early on was really just scheduling. It was just being able to get in the plane. So I, I ended up getting a. a instructor that was brand new to the school he wasn't brand new to instructing i think he was five five months or something he was instructor but he 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 came from minneapolis so he was very unaware of the airspace as well and i actually was teaching him the (laughs) airspace because of my experience with pilots so i here i am with two hours um saying no dude we can fly through the disneyland tfr for on with approach he's like no i want to go around it on our first you're fine no, you can go through oh, it. Oh yeah, well as long as you're on with ATC, huh? Yeah, and and he he was just like to go over it, but really, oh yeah, you can fly right through it as long as you're on with them. And and honestly, I've we've never heard anybody busted VFR like squawking VFR through there. Like they really don't care. It's just more of a, a general deterrent. Yeah. yeah. Um. So our first flight that I did with this instructor was John Wayne Fullerton Fullerton back. My landing into Fullerton wasn't good. I was trying to land it like an arrow, which is what I was flying in the sim, and this was an archer, and I went in a little bit uh, nose first. So the little porpoise job, so we got out of there real quick. <laughs> um, 
and then came back. And it was a very short flight, but um, the reason I was able to use him as an instructor because he was the, really the only one that had weekends off or, we, or that he was available on the weekends. All the other CFIs had the weekends booked or just off. So, you know, I kind of become buddies with this guy and we, you know, I try to get scheduled on the weekends, but because I was really only going to commit to every other week, just solely based off of expense. Um, and it had to be on the weekend based off of my work schedule, really limited when I could fly. Um, so I used the simulator to just learn as much as I could. I got, you know, got the books, got uh, M0A test prep and just flew like all the time. And that's, I think, Chris, where, where you kind of joined was, you know, in that period where I was so, and still am. I mean, it's not like, I mean, I just kind of, I dabble in other things on stream every once in a while. But I mean, I was exclusively on a John Wayne, exclusively flying the Piper for Foxtrot Golf and, you know, just based out of John Wayne. So I, by the time I really started rolling, I mean, I had, you know, at least a hundred hours of practice with ATC out of John Wayne in the airspace in the area. So when I was flying, my focus was 100% on flying the airplane. That was it. It was just the feel. I had, I mean, Tony CFI never touched the radios one time. Like maybe every once in a while, if we're talking and I like was talking over ATC and didn't hear them say something, he goes, you know, like affirmative or whatever. But I mean, solely on the radios had no problem with John Wayne. I mean, it was, I hadn't really known anything different than just super busy all the time. So we would just do these flights and, um, you know, we, we flew, did the flight to Fullerton we did Corona, um, then we just did pattern work, and he's like, "Let's like, dude, I think you're ready to solo. Um, like, let's get you soloed." And then I, you know, went through all the, you know, I got to get my medical, got to get my IACRA stuff, got to get my, you know, just all the yeah. paperwork so stuff. You got your, your, um, your written and medical out of the way. No, I still haven't done my my written, so I still have yet to do that. Um, but it was like. 6.7 hours total by the time I solo at John that at John Wayne freaks me out. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's only because of all this <laughs> prep work you've been doing leading up to it. I just don't mm-hmm. feel like they would just put the average person who's never had any experience in flying that decides they want to go get their license that under 10 hours are like going, yeah, I think you're good to solo because probably half of it is you're going to screw yourself up on the radio so bad. You're going to get too flustered or whatever, but you're already so, oh, yeah. so yeah. confident in that piece of it. Maybe I don't know what it is, but cause, cause I flew out of deer Valley. I flew, that's where I learned was deer Valley airport and deer Valley is the busiest general aviation airport in the country. More takeoffs and landings happen at deer Valley airport because of all the training that goes on out there than anywhere else, even over Van Nuys. Um, but, uh, but it's just, it's just a Delta, but it's a very busy Delta. Um, but, uh, I had, uh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't let me solo till I was near 20 hours. 
Which I think is kind of the average, isn't it? Like, I mean, 20, 15, 20 is... It probably depends. And like, um, so I flew out of there. So we got a busy general aviation class Delta, uh, two runways, uh, towered airport, and other guys on the podcast were flying out of uncontrolled, you know, single runway, you know, uh, Deltas and so forth. You know, it's just... So we all did it a little bit differently, and here you are learning out of a Charlie with the clearance delivery and the whole bit, you know. So yeah, yeah. And it felt good. Like I didn't feel like it was rushed or anything, and it was just. And I think that's. I mean that that is why he let me do it, and that was not the goal. The goal was not to get to any milestone as quickly as possible. It was to get there as um, economically as possible. And that just, that was why I did all the work up front because I wanted to eliminate as many variables when I'm actually in the airplane as humanly possible. I don't want to be, make a good classroom. no, it makes, it's a terrible classroom and it's freaking, right? yeah, it's an expensive classroom. So, speak, speak so I didn't, that, what's, what's it costing you to, to, you're, you're flying an archer, right? I was, yeah, I was, it was, um, 167. Um, per hour for the plane and then 70 for the instructor. Hmm. Yeah, wow. That's yeah. That's Yikes. Yeah. It got expensive and you know, we, we knocked out the, that first solo and then they, they kind of require two, two additional solos. One is just a repeat of the first one. So you do three with the instructor. He gets out, stands on the ramp, like, yeah. a, you know, like a, whatever um, you do three full stops and then that's it. Then the next one is just, just you chalk to chalk, um, you know, for an hour, however long, um, which that was like the, Oh, it was just so awesome to hop in the airplane for the, without anybody go through the checklist. I mean, it just, you, that was the first time I really felt like, Holy crap, I'm doing this This, by myself. Left off the ground. Like you couldn't believe all of a sudden this extra wasn't there. You're having to trim differently because it wants to skyrocket because you don't have that extra. Oh, it was, it's so great. Yeah. (laughs) I remember. Yeah. And just, and just, you know, yeah. Being able to like do the full taxi by myself was just, I mean, the whole thing was just, was just awesome. So once once we got past the solo requirements, he was like, "Okay, well let's um you know let's start working on uh, cross country," and knowing that I was as um, knowledgeable about the airspace and procedures, he was like, "Well, you know, normally we would go down to to Ramona, which is like fifty one miles away. It's just, it's kind of a cheater." Yeah, I know it's kind of lame, and I, and I was kind of preparing for that. I was like, you know, I did that Ramona flight preparing for that then he's like but i think it'd be kind of cool to go to camarillo and i was like i think you're right (laughs) so and if if you guys aren't aware going to camarillo from john wayne you have to have a bravo transition over lax and there's five different options for transitioning that that bravo so what we ended up doing is doing a combination of two kind of based off of altitude, but also just to do two different transitions. 
So we did what was called the um, special flight rules transition, which is a um, basically Unicom style transition over LAX. You squawk one two zero one, and you're on a, a Unicom frequency one twenty eight five five, I think. Um, and then you just make your own radio calls over a couple of points that they have in the TAC chart. Um, so I did that duel with my instructor and just crushed it. I mean, we we flight planned, and I mean, it was I had done Point that. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, you're on Point Magoo for for a little bit. Is um, there a, um, do you have to do any like pre-training or anything like an online course for that? No, it's no, not like no. You just no. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not like, okay, uh, yeah. So it's, it, it sounded similar to the, like the Hudson corridors, the same um, type of deal. It's similar, but yeah, you don't have to do any okay. like online quiz or anything. It's just, it's published and you got to follow the published procedure. Um, and that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. It's, it's a little bit complex. So it scares a lot of people away just from the complexity of that. And there's other ways around it. Um, and they'll, I mean, ATC will just tell you like, you know, go around or, you know you're not clear to the Bravo or whatever. Um, but I had done it in the simulator so many times that it was just a non deal. I mean, I got the full, you know, and at this point I'm at like 12 hours, I think. And you know, it's, uh, John Wayne clearance, four, 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 Fox rod golf, northbound to Camarillo via the special flight rules transition at 4,500 full read back. And, you know, we just had a couple, I mean, we had GPS, um, I had my chart out. We did we did that one kind of just paper. I had the 430 um, going as well, but we I was really looking at the paper because I did the whole nav log thing and doing the time and all that stuff. So we did it kind of old school and just absolutely non-event. And I even I uploaded the video of of the flight, and I remember even saying to him like, "Man, it's weird how." uneventful this is like it's it's i mean i'm flying over los angeles bravo lax airport you know flying a radial i have 12 hours and this is just kind of like oh yeah there's there's that there's santa monica and there's that thing you know stuff that i've just again convinced my brain i've done a million times and then so we land there and then come back via the coastal route, which is a 5,500 um, foot transition. That's a couple radials off of the LAX VOR. So do that. Fine. No problem. Come back into John Wayne. He signs me off to do it. Um, and I just, I did it solo. Um, and I think in that plane, so not counting the two discovery flights in that plane, I think I did my cross country solo with a Bravo transition at like somewhere around 12 hours. Jeez. I want to say. Yeah. That's it's crazy, right? right? It's, uh, unusual at, at, to say the least unusual, but uh, y- you know, you got to give it up because a lot of people just like thinking, you know, the simulator is a game and yeah, maybe it be, might be classified as a game, but you can take away some pretty good nuggets there. If you really, you know, you, you, you would be you'd be the poster boy of how you could use this to your advantage to save money on your real flight mm-hmm. instruction. And I've always said yeah. that when and, it comes to yeah. specifically instrument ratings, because you know how you know how you can raise and lower the 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 glare shield, raise and lower the dash to where you can't really see out of the the windshield. There you oh, go. Oh yeah, yeah. You know stuff like that. Yeah. You know you can't even cheat. 
you can't even cheat yourself, you know, by trying to glance out of the side of your foggles or whatever to see if <laughs> see if you're straight and level or whatever, you know. It's uh it's uh it's the real it, you know, it can, it can be used for for stuff like that uh, if you really want to put the time in it like you have. Yeah, yeah and you have to be you have to be really committed to it and and not goof around and that's what's and not that I don't ever goof around or haven't ever goofed around with it because I still like to have fun and it's aviation and you're in a controlled environment. Like, yeah, I'll fire up an SR-71 and, you know, see how quickly I can get to DC. Um, but you just have to be diligent in treating it real. And and it was really just born out of necessity. I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the simulator time. What were you going to say, John? I was just going to say, like, uh, the... You know, I've always thought of the sim as good for instrument, but um, it's just interesting to hear how well it's helped you in in terms of learning VFR flying. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it yeah. has to do with that pilot edge too, and the uh, yeah, the, the, uh, they use the real frequencies. Uh, if you dial in a VOR, it's going to be exactly like the VOR that uh, that's the real thing. Um, I- I'm seeing too. Are you using ForeFlight connected to X Plane? Yes, as so, well. That's yeah. So, so when, when did that? So I was just going to bring that up too. When did that come into play and tell us how that was a game changer? Okay, so I I had um, I, I did my cross country and I was debriefing it with you know the the community in the stream and everyone just kept saying like, hey, are you going to use? An, are you going to get an iPad? Are you going to get ForeFlight? Are you going to get an iPad? And I was just like sticking with again that like I don't want to spend any money on this if I don't have to. Like I want to put every every penny I've got towards that like bi weekly right. flight. The cost of an uh, because some and for flight. Well there's there's a whole oh. real flight. Yeah, seriously. Um and now they're starting to get longer too. Like the hour pattern work flights, like, you know, two hundred and fifty bucks is still not a you know an insignificant amount of money, but it's a lot easier to take than, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars in some of these cross country mm-hmm. guys. So I kept getting this like, you know, get this get an iPad, oh you'll love four flight. I'm like, I probably will, but like <laughs> you know, I don't really I don't have an iPad and you know. So so one of my my followers said Dude, do a little um, fundraising for it. Like, do a, have a little donation meter going for it. I'm like, I'm not that guy. <laughs> and they're just like, no, you should, you, know, like, you really should do it. Like, if people are willing, if people want to do, you know, to to chip in for that, like, you should you should give them the opportunity to do that. And I thought, I'm like, all right, that's that's fair enough. Like, I'm not going to be super, you know, like, hey, donate to my, you know, iPad fund. But I put the little counter up there, um, and like I had enough money for the iPad and ForeFlight in a week and a half, yeah. just from donations. And that's, that's because and, of content, right? So you know, if you if if you haven't been on Twitch, you know, I, I go 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 check it out, and you'll see what I mean. The difference between these content, uh, the, the, these these streamers. Where and and Bill's one who has the cam on him, right? So he's got his cam, so you can see him flying the sim in real time. You're really seeing him fly it, right? And other people don't. That's a big difference maker for me. I like to see the person that I'm watching. Um, and uh, and then the people that just don't talk that are simming, you know, I'm out in thirty <laughs> seconds. You know, yeah. you have to be engaging. And I try to be as genuine as possible, and I. 
coming from the world of marketing and PR and creating YouTube content, I am definitely 100% aware of the entertainment aspect of it. So I try to add, you know, sound effects and, you know, music and just kind of do some different things to keep it entertaining and fun because not everybody wants to sit and watch me fill out navlogs for <laughs> three hours a night, which I did. And that stream did really well, which blew me away. It was hilarious. <laughs> like literally, you, um, John, it's hilarious. I had, I angled my camera down onto my desk and I rotated it and I had my paper navlog and my chart with the e6b and the compass and i'm doing my cross-country flight planning and like 40 50 people were watching me do it live and like helping me out it was it's like here watch me do algebra <laughs> by hand okay yeah, it, was un- <laughs> it was unbelievable so it again it's a testament to how cool this community has been um, particularly towards me but also just i think when you are when it's clear that you're doing something a little bit different and for a different reason. Like my motivation is to save money in the airplane, not to become a full-time streamer and make this, you know, like a, a part-time job actually yeah. streaming. Um, so like to make a long or you know, a short story longer, I ended up getting the iPad and for flight and it connects directly to x-plane as if it's the real plane it as far as far as for flight is concerned there is no difference yeah, it doesn't know it, it's um, receiving that what that ahars information and, and, and the gps information yeah. is if you're really there yeah so the the only way you can tell that it's different is in the on the little bottom tray where it says gps accuracy it'll say one meter and then underneath as the source it'll say x-plane that's the only difference that you could physically see on the foreflight itself. So, so here I am now post dual um, across country preparing for my solo cross country, and I've got I, I redid my paper navlog. I wanted to still have that, and then I did another version in foreflight. And I show my instructor both of those. He goes, "Cool, looks looks good. You're you're good to go." And I, I flew with four flight mounted on the yoke. Um, and I had done this flight like so many times in the simulator practice, like in the weeks leading up to this flight, that it was a, another non deal. And it was exactly how it came through on the simulator, exactly how I practice it. It didn't, it wasn't until I was like halfway back to John Wayne that I realized that, oh crap, I didn't. I didn't put anything in the 430. Oh. <laughs> like I, I just didn't even bother <laughs> with it. I, I was like, I got four flight. I got my paper charts. I know what it looks like. I mean, I, I could do that flight like without that, any back to that flight sim 98, 95 compared to the four flight. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> like you gotta be kidding me, dude. I'm not putting each one of those letters in there individually and I can do it in like literally two seconds. Uh, just like upload flight into four flight. Spoiled. Like, <laughs> dude, take a hike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till I can fly one of the ones that does the yeah. sync with four John, flight. John, last time John's been flying, he's been in the G Wiz one thousand. Yeah. Oh, sweet. It was really, uh, really sweet. It was nice, and I, I. The problem is, is when I'm I'm looking at getting current again, I'm looking at at 
possibly not having that and i'm like yeah, <laughs> you got spoiled yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know what to do without it oh man flying uh slant four flight is my favorite thing <laughs> slant four, i mean I, four flight yes <laughs> yeah yes dude you slant could just hop in the plane and flight. just yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah you just just hop in the planes like where do you want to go like i mean you could literally f- flight plan while the engine's warming oh, yeah. up and just the, not have, you know, any plan before then. Just like, where do you want to go? I don't know where you want to go. Let's I'm an Andrew. The only reason I put stuff in the G1000 was for the autopilot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm an Android. I'm an Android guy. And I, and I use a, uh, I use a, a Google Nexus um, tablet plus uh, iFly GPS is my, uh, my EFB. Okay. Gotcha. But John, I mean, you could even just go heading mode and just, you know, do the little two finger, um, you know, whatever, whatever you call that E6B on four flight and just go up, oh, here's my new heading and just fly to that heading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I was... it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I always, I always fly with, with four flight now. I mean, it's just, there's no way I, I wouldn't. Um, cause I, I mean, oh God, what was it when I went, went up with, uh, uh, Bill wrote, um, we had, I think something like four or five magenta lines in that airplane between like two copies of four flight, his Aspen, he had another GPS that was sitting there. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. This is, this is another, uh, another SoCal bill that you're going to have to meet one day. He's down in San Diego. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, he flies, uh, he flies a Cherokee six and a, um, cool. what's the biplane, John? It's a, uh, great lakes, great lakes. Yeah. Does it have a, a, a site on it, like a gunning site? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a YouTube video of it, of me and him flying. I uh, I taxied next to him at Catalina. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's one of the guys that goes out to Catalina with me, too. Okay. Yeah. I have footage of... He flew the biplane to Catalina? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. I've got a I've got a video. My n- current instructor took me out to Catalina in a Bonanza, and I've got footage of him. And I talked, and I even mentioned like, "Hey, let's got it." He's got a gunnery yeah, sight. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. There's a little gun sight on it. Um, and and I went with him in his Cherokee Six out to uh, Camarillo. So yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you so you know what that airport oh, yeah. looks like. Oh, right? uh, Camarillo is, is fantastic. That displaced threshold that's a mile long is insane to start with. Um, they've got yeah, it's a the little most badass uh, airport uh, restaurant known to man. Um, Except for the location, yeah. it would be it would be absolutely perfect if it was on top of the runway. Oh. There's so many other airport cafes in in SoCal that I actually would prefer just because of the proximity to yeah, the runway. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, as far as like viewing the traffic coming in and out, you don't got that that going for yeah. you. It's really designed around little kids too because they got the whole. You know, play area mm-hmm. for the kids that has the whole semi, the run, you know, uh, scale model of the runway and all that stuff out there for them. Tower, it's pretty cool. It's the best restaurant, yeah, for sure. Like just strictly food wise, um, if anyone, if you guys ever get a chance to to go to Southern California and fly to an airport, go to Camarillo. The restaurant is fantastic, and, and they have a uh, commemorative Air Force uh, wing out there. Is that right? Um, I think they, they've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we out there. toured a, uh, I thought, I thought it was a CAF. It could have been something else, but, uh, there's yeah. something else. It might be next door to the restaurant. It's not far from it. it. 
it's definitely not far yeah. from it. But uh, so we're getting a little bit long here, and I want I want to uh, um, um, catch up on a few things. So how many how many hours are you now? Um, I am at twenty six point eight. Wow. I think. Okay. That's on um, solid. Getting there. Yeah. You're getting there. <laughs> getting slowly getting there. So my my instructor in the Piper uh, took a job in Minneapolis actually at Flying okay. Cloud. And he's flying King Airs now. So when he left, I was kind of bummed because I had built up this rapport yeah. with him. And I was just like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. Um, I was like, but, you know, I could try out some of these other guys and it, it should be fine. Um, the the day that he, the day before that he was leaving, we were out with a couple of other CFIs for like a, for a beer to see him off. And they got a text that, um, well, two things. One, the plane that I was flying, the Piper, the PA-28A, um, was getting a complete avionics upgrade. It was going full glass. Whoa. It was getting more expensive. The The owner who leases the plane to the flight school wanted the plane to be flown oh. less. So he wanted to do this ADS, you know, while sure. he was doing the ADS-B compliance, um, make it full glass and more expensive so he could still get the benefit of leasing it back but have it be used less mm-hmm. frequently. So I was like, well, that yeah. sucks. Um, and the flight school was sold at the same like that Whoa. night they got a text that the flight school had sold to somebody it's probably fine not too much changing but i was just like okay uh planes getting more expensive cfi left flight school got sold all within a couple of days um yeah so i was talking about this with my little community and this guy in the the bonanza who had um, met me like Chris had through through Twitch um, was like, "Hey man, um, how would you feel about me being your instructor?" I was like, um, "Dude, that would be freaking oh, fantastic." Yeah. He's like, "All um, right, Brad, yeah, Brad, yeah." yeah. Um, so he was like, "All we got to do is find an airplane. Um, I might have a lead on a plane that we could use." Let me, you know, let's let's work on that. And it took a couple of weeks to to get finally approval for this for this plane. Um, oh my god, it's so <laughs> awesome! Like I've I'd flown with this guy a couple of times, and in this bonanza that he flies, he's a young kid. He's a CF He's a, a Cessna um, type rated uh, five. 25 550 560 like he's got a bunch of type yeah little uh citations um like unbelievable aviation mind loves instructing loves um loves sharing his knowledge he's like uh he's very um he's he's all over reddit on the uh the aviation um reddit mm-hmm. subreddit he's all over discord he's a moderator in a few discords he's you know, all over, you know, he's in my chat all the time, just like loves flying. So I get this like from this like scraping along every couple of weeks to um to just get in the airplane and fly with a guy who is a great instructor but has a bunch of other students and is basically really uh, anxious to get a, a commercial job to having a guy who is like watching all of my streams um knows exactly my knowledge base and is helping me out on in all these streams that I've been talking about and using the sim Brad my instructor is there watching me chatting and sometimes will log in on a helicopter and hover in the sim <laughs> watching me do touch and goes 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's absolutely insane. So the level of of attention that I have now um, for my flight training is, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario more perfect than what I have right now. I am so blessed to have that um, as an option. And it really is 100% due to me kind of putting out my training. And basically, I mean, all those vulnerabilities that um, that I think most student pilots feel up in the air, I've filmed it and posted it online and like, go ahead, like, give me feedback, help me out, you know, and, and being open to that criticism and feedback. Luckily, I haven't had, you know, too much of the, you know, internet um, attack oh, me yeah. for, for anything that I've done. Um, but that vulnerability opened me up to somebody like Brad to say, you know what, I'm going to, you know, come fly with me in, in a, you know, in not really a time of need, but, you know, in a situation yeah. that, you know, I, I needed. You went it. out to, uh, um, you went out to, uh, Catalina Island with Brad in the, in the Bonanza? Yeah. 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 That, that was the first time he's like, Hey man, uh, I, I fly out of John Wayne too. We should go fly sometime. I'm like, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking for any excuse to get yeah. in an airplane, you know, what'd you think about, what'd you think about he, that Bonanza? Um, as like, you know, just a rocket ship compared to the other GA aircraft you've probably been in. With the exception of the Cirrus SR-22, um, the, the parachute, you can't deny the, <laughs> um, the usefulness of that. I think the Bonanza, and particularly the A-36, I think that is the best general aviation plane ever. Plane for sure, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine something that does more things better than the Bonanza does while carrying six yeah. adults. Is he a, um, a partner in the plane in a group, or is it a... He's kind uh, it's it's a family friend of his that he's basically the sole pilot for that plane. Um, it's a family friend that that got the plane with his help for uh, reason, regional business purposes. So he kind of has access to it, um, you know, and obviously needs to fly this guy whenever he needs right. to, but it enables him to stay sharp in the plane yeah. and, you know, explore different yeah. airports and stuff. He seems so. like he'd be a great pilot. And from what I've seen uh, from your videos and so forth, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I can tell he is. So what's, uh, wh yeah. what, what's kind of your end goal with getting your license? Anything else uh, on the horizon with, you know, plans for flying for a living somehow or anything like that? Not really. Yeah. No, I, you know, circling back to my dad coming out of Navy and just flying general aviation. Well, the one thing that he said that, um, you know, I really, really agree. And unfortunately, Mark's not here because I'm sure he could back this up being around, you know, some really high powered machinery. Uh, you know, he's flying jets in the Navy on and off carriers. You think, how could that get any better in the world of mm -hmm. aviation? Um, the, the answer is doing it with somebody that yeah. you love. And in these these jets, even if it's a two-seater, you probably don't have the same feelings for the guy <laughs> in the back than, you know, your best friend or your wife or, you know, even just somebody that you've recently met that also yeah. loves flying. To be able to share these experiences that we're all fortunate enough to, to be able to experience and fortunate Yes. I mean, it, it does take stability and money and, you know, things to be able to do this. But I mean, one of the big unifying factor with with pilots and student pilots alike is the dedication that it takes. Um, 
So for me, that is like, I, I just, I love the idea of being able to take, take my friends up flying, take Julia up flying and, you know, go on a, a you know, camping trip or go fly to Santa Barbara for dinner or go visit some friends in San Diego and do the things that make general aviation so amazing um, is, I mean, that that's my, my focus right now. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say that at some point, if I look down at my logbook and, you know, have the ratings and the, the time to kind of go, Hey, yeah, I, I could, you know, fly charter part-time or do, you know, do something yeah. like that. Um, you know, given the, the knowledge that I now have because of Brad flying charter, um, I can't say that that wouldn't be the case ever, but right now I, I just, I feel fortunate enough to to be in this area where there's so much cool general aviation stuff possible and to kind of combine it with the, the sharing online aspect and being able to, you know, do some different things on YouTube, maybe up, you know, get a couple more cameras, throw in some different angles, um, and then connect that to, to the, the streams. I think there's a cadence there with planning for a flight, doing it in real life, sharing it with the community, um, and having other people along for that ride is kind of what I envision, you know, my, yeah. my future aviation career. You know, I liked well. that you did that one time. I don't know how often you do it is when you green screened the airplane behind you that you were flying. That looked so cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He threw up a green screen, green screen, and then just put, you know, what it looked like for the real plane behind him, you know, as if he was sitting in the real plane simming. You know, it, it, it's a pain. I'll tell you, that's a pain know, in the ass I though, because I can, I can only see what yeah. you see. So even though the, it looks like I'm looking out the front windscreen, I'm actually seeing the the seat and like yeah. behind me. Yeah. So I, I can only do it like in cruise on autopilot. Like, okay, now here's <laughs> pilot view. It's pretty slick, pretty slick. So, so, um, we are, uh, we're currently missing sun and fun. Um, it's going on right now. John, John's been to it a couple of times. I've, I've, I've never got to go yeah. to it. Have you, have you been to uh, any of the big uh, aviation fly-ins like Sun and Fun or the the one up north in Oshkosh? I have not. No, those are definitely on my bucket list though. Um, I mean, I, I went to the Miramar Air Show last year. Um, and flew with a friend down there, um, like really early on too. So we flew to, uh, San Diego, went to the air show mm-hmm. and flew back. And that was like, oh my God, I flew to a thing yeah. in an airplane and then flew back from a thing there in an go. airplane. Like that, that blew my mind. I don't, dude, you gotta do it. I don't know if oh I could handle, I don't know if I could handle that. It, it would be just like yeah. too much information cool overload. Stuff. Um, I, you need about, you know, six <laughs> weeks at the air show. John, and you might feel like you did it. <laughs> um, John and I have been going to Oshkosh every year for the last, and I've been doing it, I guess, seven years or maybe eight. And John's either been doing it eight, maybe nine. I can't remember. Since 2009, I've been going. And yeah, I mine was 2010 one. was the first time I went. So um, if you haven't heard, you've probably never heard of anything called Camp Bacon by chance, have you? I have not. No, that's our that's our campsite at at Oshkosh. You can look it up in Google or, or uh, like Apple Maps or Google Maps. If you type in I Camp Bacon, it. it'll show you where we camp at on site. 
it's it's a thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we might have made it that way, but it's a it's kind of like a well known place. But uh, there's a, a group of I don't know uh, forty or fifty of us that tend to gather together and camp together at at Oshkosh every year. Um, and it's just something that we, we look forward to year after year. I, I've never personally made it down to, to Florida to uh, Sun and Fun. I'd like to do that, but it's going to be one or the other. And every year I, I tend to pick Oshkosh. I think if you do, if you do Florida, you should go do your seaplane yeah. reading and then go to the show and do like, uh, that'd be something. Yeah. Yeah. I did, sick. I did a seaplane sea flight. Uh, I, d- I t- took some seaplane instruction up in Seattle a few years back. And that was, in my opinion, the most fun flying I've ever had in my life. Sweet. What did you? Uh, what did you fly? Uh, up there? It was an American Champion Decathlon or American Champion Scout on floats. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. So much, and it was like a, it was like a brand new plane, but uh, it, it was. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember you. Yeah, I remember you um, talking oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. And the other the other stick you flew was a Husky, right? Um, Oh, stick style plane? He's, yeah, uh, no, uh, uh, an Aronka yeah. Champ. I've flown an Aronka Champ uh, that had a stick, and then that, uh, and then that uh, American Champion Scout. I think those are the only two stick oh, okay. planes I've flown. But yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, there's something about tandem, um, and with the stick, you're just like center line on the on the airplane. You feel so connected with it. It's it's a little different experience. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I've uh, I've got to work on is that center line. That's what Brad and I have been working on the last the last yeah, couple flights. Feel it in the seat of your pants. It's <laughs> it's a it's a pesky one. I mean, I feel like I'm on the center line. He's like, dude, you're like four or five feet off the center line. Oh, you, you mean like when you're landing or taxiing or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, landing. Uh, yeah, just just landing. Yeah, taxing. I'm fine, but yeah, landing. He's like, you, you know, just like left of center. He's like, it's okay. Like, you know, most students will land left of center, and he goes, and most new CFIs land oh, right of center. Yeah, goes, it's just like you <laughs> you think you're lined up, and you're not. But once once you know what lined yeah. up looks like, remembering that site, then picture. you know, yeah. then it's fine. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. talking. Yeah, just like parallel parking a car, you know, like, I mean, the student, you know, you're either five feet away from the curb or you're on the curb. It's like, it takes some time to figure out what that looks like and then you're, oh, okay. then you're fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I was talking more like um, the those type of aircraft that are tandem seating instead of side by side. And, and with the stick, you're sitting like right in the center of that airplane. Um, it's center of gravity. So like any movement you you make, you feel very connected to the airplane. You don't feel like you're one side or the other. You're center of it. You know what I mean? So it was it was a, yeah, it was, it so was a pretty awesome. cool experience. Um, so yeah, the 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 um, the um, air show season is upon us. Uh, the guy, a lot of our friends are down there in Sun and Fun having a lot of fun right now. I've been trying to keep up on it on Twitter and YouTube and all the. Different social media places, so we are not at Sun and Fun once again. Um, yeah, just getting teased by all these Instagram yeah, yeah. pictures and videos. Just like, oh, okay, we get it, everybody. You're having a blast. Be- being woke right? up by the sound of P-51 Mustangs in the morning or some jets <laughs> taking off, is it, it doesn't get old. It's a lot of fun. Those um, T-6s. Oh, yeah. the T-6s. At Oshkosh, um, so about... A little around 10,000 people fly their own individual airplanes to the air show and, and camp there for the week, you know. Um, 
We, I've flown there once from Phoenix with a friend of mine. We flew to Oshkosh together in his Mooney. That was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Um, and then that's we camp awesome. on site at the airport, and they have a, a campground that's attached to the airport called Camp Schaller. And, uh, and during that week of Oshkosh, Camp Schaller becomes the third largest city in all of Wisconsin. 50,000 people <laughs> are on site camping at that time. Good Lord, that's 50, awesome. 50,000 of your new best friends. So, oh, yeah, that is so cool. Air show every day from about 1 p.m. until uh, 6 or 7, whatever it is. And then Wednesdays and Saturdays, they have uh, night air shows, which is something to behold if you've never seen a night air show. Oh, that is absolute. That sounds like yeah. absolute heaven. So, we'll have to get you down there sometime. Um, we'll, uh, oh, yeah, Ab- absolutely. Stay in touch. And, and uh, if, 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 in fact, you ever get a chance to go down there, you just, you know, you got to look us up. For oh, sure. yeah, for sure. So, um, what else? Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up. Did you guys see the new announcement from Piper? Oh, yeah. I yeah, did. we we dissected that that announcement pretty heavily. Yeah. So, yeah, so Piper <laughs> announced a new uh, training aircraft, the P-100 and P-100i for the instrument platform. Um, I think their pricing is not bad at all. Uh, considering you know it's it's certified aircraft, not just you know an LSA. So two fifty nine, two hundred fifty nine thousand for the standard VFR package, two eighty five for the instrument platform, um, and 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 it's running a hundred eighty horsepower Continental instead of a O three sixty. What is it? The I, the IO three sixty. What is it? The um, uh, the other uh, engine, not Continental. It's um, everybody everybody online right now is just yelling at me. Um, John, help me out. Come on now, Lycoming. Oh, like Lycoming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So instead of a Lycoming, it's a it's a Continental. What is it? Three seventy or something like that. He said three. Fuel yeah, injected. it's kind of a weird. Yeah, like a lot of experimental planes use that engine. It's not like a, a huge... Well-known, um, yeah. Yeah, it's not really well-known. It's, it's supposedly, it's it's got a lot of power um, compared to the uh, the 360. But, like, I mean, I think it's like 100 and, almost 130 knot cruise, which is, which is yeah. pretty nice. Um, I thought it was interesting. It's, I mean, it's clear that this is aimed straight at training. Um and I think probably particularly European, like overseas training, which, uh, you know, is kind of a booming industry, I think, for some of these manufacturers. And I want to say that today there was a news story that Piper just um, had the biggest yeah. single order From, placed. Who was it? Uh, no, was uh, it L3. So L3, uh, the name of the company, bought, what, like 300 or some odd planes? Some cra- yeah, some crazy yeah. number of planes. Good for them. But yeah, good for them. I and mean, it's fantastic because I love, I mean, I'm in a 172 right now and it is one of the best examples of a 172 you will ever find. Like it's not a training airplane. So it is just like perfect. The guy, the owner maintains it himself. It's immaculate. I love that plane. Love it. But I am a low wing fan. So what'd you, th- what'd you, th- yeah, I am too. And I was going to yeah. ask you, so what'd you think about the transition with that? About how about the first time you went to land it? How different that it's, was? It is a very different plane. And a lot of people said that they're, they're very similar and the numbers are kind of close, 
but I I was a lot more comfortable. The archer's faster. Yeah, I was a lot more comfortable landing the the archer than I am with the the 172 for a couple of varying reasons. But um, it once you kind of get over the looking around the wing on that base yeah. to final, it's fine. I mean, it but they Where are the very different. Go. I just oh, yeah 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 I know. <laughs> I just really, really prefer that the low wing, just the look of it, you know, and the the visibility is fantastic. I agree too. When, when I go to uh, uh, um, uh, Pomona to rent the plane every year to go to Catalina Island, um, I rent an Archer three from them, and um, I fly Cessnas out here all the time. So the only place I get I fl- I fly the Archer is when I'm in Catalina, and the beautiful thing about it is they don't even make me do checkout flights anymore. I've been doing this. I've been doing oh, okay. this so long that as long as I show them that I've been current, they don't make me go check out in the plane. Because I learned and awesome. got my license in an Archer three, um, so I've got a hundred hours in it or whatever now. But uh, my other hundred hours yeah. I've got is all in one seventy two. So, but I yeah. prefer. And do you? I mean, do you prefer? Yeah, which, I prefer which one the do you prefer? I prefer the low wing. Um, I yeah. like being able to see the runway to make my turns. Although I could just be looking at my mm-hmm. uh, looking at my 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 heading bug or not my heading bug, but my my heading on the plane and just make ninety degree turns. Duh, you know how hard is that? Um, yeah. And uh, but I like that. And I don't know some about landing. I feel more comfortable landing that low wing plane, and especially in crosswinds. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I just I like it, and I I like Piper. You know, the, the the flights I did with my dad were in that Cherokee, and um, just have a little bit. I don't know, and it's kind of it's it's like the um, it's not as popular, obviously. Like there's there's fewer Pipers out there than Cessnas. I mean, there's sure. fewer everything out there yeah. than Cessnas. Um, but there's kind of like a uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool to be flying something that's not. Everywhere. I mean, there's a reason why 172s are everywhere because they are yeah. so good. Um, but there's also the you know unique yeah. aspect that I John. Like what's what, what's what's one of my favorite old planes? I'd love to have Navian. <laughs> that's and that's what Bill was flying last night on uh, on uh, on Sim. I I saw it <laughs> oh. on the YouTube. I almost brought it up. Yeah, I told I told him. I said my favorite <laughs> plane. Yeah. And see, that's why you need to go to Osh because there's like ten of yeah. those in a row. <laughs> yeah, it's like every random plane club brings at least a dozen yeah. planes there. And you're like, I've never there seen was, one of these, let yeah. alone twelve of them. There was the one year; it was the um, the Cub oh. year, where it was like one of the celebrations of Cubs. And I mean, it a was just sea a sea of yellow, yellow. Cubs. I've like never, never seen really, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. I mean, it was just <laughs> rows of them, rows and rows and rows of just Cubs. And they kept they tried to put all the yellow ones together as much as they could just to make it a thing. But you'd get the occasional white one or a red one or whatever out there. But uh. well, you know what's kind of funny? I just thought about about this: is airplanes are much easier to just hop in and go rather than cars. <laughs> I wonder how I wonder how many guys get back and like, wait a second, this isn't my this isn't my cup. Especially yeah, uh, when when there seems to be you know this livery of you know certain colors and so forth, you know. You'll see lots of yellow cubs. So you're like, where? You got to tie a bow on the top of it, just so you know, like uh, the black Samsonite briefcase. Yeah. You got to put your little put something on your it. little bow yeah, on the handle. To differentiate it. Got to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, we, let's see. Oh, um, I did get a chance to go flying here recently. Matter of fact, uh, 
last week. No. Last week. And, and uh, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, my sister my, my sister came into town. My sister's from Missouri, where I'm from. And uh, she flew into town, and she flew in on Allegiant, which is usually what I take to get out to uh, Oshkosh. Um, and so Allegiant's out in Mesa, which is 50-some-odd miles from my house, so a nice solid hour drive. But on top of that, she was landing at around 20 after 6, so it would have been rush hour, so call that an hour-and-a-half drive. Um, so instead, I decided to go grab an airplane and go fly over to Cat- uh, fly over to uh, Mesa Gateway and pick her up instead. Her and her two kids, by the way, and she had no idea. So... <laughs> That is fantastic. so. She's. Uh, um, I'm in the baggage claim area, waiting for her to come around the corner, and and she's there, and we say hi and everything, and hug and whatnot, and we're just chit chatting. I haven't mentioned anything that I'm here in an airplane, you know. We get her bag finally, and and we're walking outside, and you know we're walking through the Hertz rent a car place and the this rent a car place and that, and not really walking any specific parking lot where people would normally park and she's not asking any questions she's just following me and her two daughters and stuff you know and there's over here on the ramp or over there on the on the ramp is a bunch of uh a bunch of like um t28s no or f5s i think they're t28s and uh and some harriers and stuff because they do a lot of training in the area and park the planes there occasionally and um and I'm like, well, we're going to have to go out there to to get home. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> she goes, yeah, we got to go this way. I go, no, literally out there where, where the planes are. She goes, huh? I go, yeah, I brought a plane instead. And she goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> so she's she's all she's that all happy fair. about it and stuff. And the kids were all freaking out. And and uh, I hope you guys. I knew she light. was only bringing one bag. So and I, oh, I and perfect. It fit yeah. exactly. In in the storage in the baggage compartment on the back of the 172, I didn't even have to throw it up and over the back seats or anything. It literally fit back there. And her kids are um, under; yeah, they're grade school still, so they're they're little. So it it worked out great. And what, what's your uh, home airport? I've been flying out of Glendale, either Glendale or Deer Valley, but Glendale's where I rent from. So and I rent a 172. I'm 120 an hour wet, um, and usually an instructor's around 55 or 60 out here yeah that's pretty that's i pretty think good. when i when i go to catalina uh at pomona i'm renting for 130 an hour for the archer three so that's pretty good what kind of avian it does it had have? a i'll have to look at the picture it's either a 430 or a 530 um but steam, oh, the, yeah. the full, yeah, yeah. Not just glass. Mostly yeah. glass. It's got a, yeah, like a 430 or 530 in it. The one that I learned in okay. was a 2003 Piper Archer 3, and it had dual Garmin 430s, an S-Tech 50X autopilot, leather interior, and air conditioning. Thank you very much. Of course, the Dang. AC broke uh, about halfway through my training, and they never wanted to fix it because, you know, it's training aircraft, and they didn't care. But it was nice for a little while, especially out here in Phoenix where it can get a little toasty. Oh, I, I can say, imagine. Who needs AC? I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's uh, getting to be a little uh, late, and uh, I'd like to respect your guys' uh, time, especially uh, you, John, back, uh, it's what, uh, midnight now? Uh, midnight, midnight 30, 30 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Um, yeah, that's um, about all I had. John, did you have uh, anything that uh, you wanted to bring up? Oh, no, I think we I think we covered most of it. Yeah, it sounds like you did. You've you've kind of figured out how to treat the simulator versus the real plane and and kind of navigate that pretty well. So totally use it to your advantage. Yeah, just recognizing, you know, like the differences and what the rudder feels like and what, you know, just trying the best I can to remember what the real plane feels like and know that I'm not rep- I'm not trying to replicate that. Uh, I'm just trying to replicate putting the plane where I want it and planning the planning that goes around it and the, you know, the, the calls, um, you know, the feel of the plane, you're not, you're not going to re- recreate that. You're still aviating, navigating and communicating, which are the three main things. That communication thing sounds to be the key piece. Yeah. What's, what's Big pilot time. edge cost a month? Is it like 20 bucks or something? It's yeah, it's 1999 for the ZLA or the Western expansion area. And there, I don't have the price in front of me for the combined, um, but it's uh, it's less than double that. They they give you uh, a little discount for for grouping those two in. So there's there's one coverage area is ZLA, and the other one they call it the Western Expansion. And that comes over to here to to Phoenix, even right then. Yeah, that includes, and it's not as it's not as uh, condensed in terms of airports available. Um, whereas ZLA is, if it's controlled in the real world, it's controlled in pilot edge. Mm. Um, but the Western expansion is, uh, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Nevada, Montana, um, Arizona, parts of Texas and Colorado. I want to say that's pretty intense. Yeah. It's a pretty big space, but it's kind of built for the Bravo to Bravo airliner guys. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. That makes sense. With some exceptions in there. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Sure. Well, it's 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 a it's a pretty valuable tool if you ask me. I mean, um uh, it's it's clearly paid dividends for you. You know, if if you think about it, there you would have had to add more lessons onto where you are right now to equate what you've saved by doing all this sim yep. sim time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you just if you just go on the average, I mean, it took me six hours to solo. You know, you you put in uh, fourteen hours yeah. in front of that, and then move everything back, and you know, an additional, you know, seventy percent maybe. I mean, I'm definitely not doing a cross country solo over a Bravo after twelve hours no. in that plane. No, that's for sure. So yeah, it's it's more than paid for itself. Well, I can't wait for uh, for us to go flying together. I think that's going to come up. Uh, you know, pretty soon. I, I think definitely, definitely by next year, by next uh, Me too. Thanksgiving, uh, you're going, you're going to Catalina with us, one way or the other. Even if you don't have your, I love uh, it because you'll, you'll just, you'll just <laughs> grab Brad and say, "Let's go," you know, or whatever. Dude, so, absolutely, yeah. yeah that that's that would be, be a deal. lot of fun. So, and I, I, I'm going to be that would be a lot. Of fun. I don't think it's going to. It might not happen, but I'll, I'm going to be in um, San Diego um, in June. Um, um, okay. and I'll probably do another, another flight with, uh, Bill and the, in the biplane or whatever, but, uh, um, I'll be Very down cool. there for the week. I, I work for a large church out here in, uh, in, uh, Phoenix and, uh, we do, um, um, we do, uh, camp out at, uh, San Diego State University. Oh, nice. 
Very cool. Yeah, well, definitely let me know. Yeah, and that would be that'd be fun to try to uh, schedule something and yeah, meet up one way or another. Sure. All right, Mr. Conway. All right. Well, uh, we'll drop some we'll drop some links in the show notes too. But uh, look, you just let everyone know where the um, they can find your your videos, your Twitch stream, whatnot. Yeah, it, it's um, mainly YouTube. So youtube.com slash b i l l four l e. And then the same for Twitch. So it's twitch.tv slash B-I-L-L-4-L-E. Um, there's a Twitch app as well, um, but the the desktop site is pretty fun. And if you're, you know, I definitely encourage anyone that, that hasn't checked it out to to at least look at it a couple of times. Um, you know, if, if a particular stream is not for you, there's there's probably going to be someone that might be more up your alley, whether it's the type of flying that they're doing. You know, there's real uh, airline pilots out there. There's some ex-military guys. Um, there's some really cool personalities that are streaming. It's a really great community. Um, you know, there's some other offline or you know, online, but like off the, uh, off the stream forums, uh, uh, program called discord, which is kind of like a chat room voice connection thing. And we've got like an ongoing conversation there, just all things, aviation, uh, all the time, people posting pictures of their flights and YouTube videos that they've found. And there's really no, no question goes unanswered in this little community. It's no matter what it is, no matter what level somebody knows, somebody who knows somebody <laughs> that's got the answer at the absolute minimum. I mean, we've got, you know, the, the six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon game. I mean, it's like one or two degrees of separation yeah. <laughs> to almost literally anybody. I mean, it's like, uh, like Sean D Tucker. Like I've got, you know, Brad's friend is friends with Sean D Tucker. So if you have a question on anything in any part of aviation this this community will get the answer like unbelievably fast awesome awesome well um go ahead and and wrap this episode up Uh, i just want to thank you again bill for coming on um this has been really good to hear your experience and uh and how the flight sim has really helped you out especially with uh learning to fly which we haven't talked about on this podcast in a little while (laughs) (laughs) awesome well yeah thank you thank you guys for for inviting me on it's it's something that i'm obviously passionate about and i think that it the the more people know that this is available as an option i think the the more it's going to potentially open up aviation in general and i think just people knowing it's out there um will help hopefully spark that because who who doesn't at some point or who hasn't at some point thought that would be kind of cool to fly, but I it's I can't do that. It's not you know it's it's out of my reach and it's really not. Yeah. Well, maybe uh maybe after uh, your um your uh, final test, your 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 practical, yeah, your check ride with your DPE and everything, get you back on here and tell us how how it all wrapped up for you. You know that'd be great too. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Thank you guys and fantastic podcast. Um, it's a bummer that that Mark couldn't be here and and Brad had to yep. to bounce out. But you know, thank you to to both of those guys and and you, John and Chris. Um, you know, it's it's awesome. It's st- stuff like this is what is so cool about the aviation community. People's passion for doing this kind of stuff. Absolutely, and I almost forgot. Bill's Bill's podcaster. 
Bill started <laughs> Bill, Bill started a part podcast a few months ago, I guess, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and what a catchy name it is. Tell everybody, Bill. Where can they find that? It's the Angle of a Talk <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I love it. I accident I accidentally came up with that, and it just like it was one of those like it just popped in my head, and I went, "Ugh, that is terrible." Wait, wait a second. That's so bad it might work. But yeah, I've um, yeah, I've I focus kind of on the right now on the Twitch personalities and the connection to aviation in general. Um, but yeah, po- I think podcasting is a great. I mean, I try to r- remind myself that brevity is the soul of wit, and but sometimes I. I'm also very detail oriented, as you can tell. So I, you know, I, I I want to know all the details. So I kind of naturally think that everybody else wants to know all the details, which isn't always the case. Um, but this like long form uh, discussion forum, I think, is fantastic for not just aviation but all kinds of learning. I got Julia into podcasts, and she just will not shut up about like I, I listen to this running podcast and this financial podcast. And you hear the Conan <laughs> one, and you hear Ray Ramon. I'm like, you know, she she loves it. It's a great, it's a great medium, you know. It's a great medium, and you know, and I I give you guys a lot of credit for being seventy with seventy three episodes deep now. Yeah, we're embarrassed. It's only seventy three, considering how long we've been doing it. That's yeah. Regardless, that's a long time to stick with anything. And knowing how difficult it is to to do these and how exhausting it can be, um, you know, a ton of credit to you guys because this this is not easy to do yeah. in, in any Appreciate way. Appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. All right. Well, uh it's been a little while, so let's remind everybody where we're at on the internet, Chris. Sure. Uh, yeah, as usual, you can uh, find me on the Twitter machine still at C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. That about covers it for me, I guess. Oh, at Chris, Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com for the email. Yeah, and uh, me, I'm John at InThePatternPodcast.com. You can find me pretty much anywhere online at Pilot Conway. Um, definitely there on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um for the entire podcast, uh, podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com. If you want to send a message to all of us and uh, facebook.com slash inthepatternpodcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and all the episodes can be found at inthepatternpodcast.com. And uh, go ahead, send us any suggestions, comments, critiques. I uh, really love to get any feedback from all our listeners. Um, just want to thanks again, Bill, for coming on. And uh, that's going to wrap up episode 73 of the In the Pattern Podcast, our uh coincidentally not at sun and fun podcast um so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> i'd like to thank y'all for listening and remember make left traffic you're cleared for the option that's a wrap that's a wrap